0: presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at tinojunior 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is just past midnight, day of Thanksgiving, November 22nd, 23rd. Earlier today, the Mariners dealt a Eugenio Suarez third baseman, 32 years old, good vibes only, to the Arizona Diamondbacks for catcher Sebi Zavala and relief pitching prospect Carlos Vargas. This is an emergency Mariners cast. It is time to talk about this deal, uh, what the Mariners are thinking, address some of the panic in many of the Mariners fans. What does all this mean? Eugenio Suarez was considered a core part of this Mariners team. Uh, Certainly a leader in the clubhouse, very positive guy, um, has historically hit for a ton of power. He hit 49 home runs in Cincinnati in 2019. Um, Did not do that as a Mariner. Admittedly did have a 130 WRC plus season in 2022. Did not do so last season, but played elite defense at third base. um, Had a manageable salary of eleven point three million dollars in two thousand and twenty-four, with the club option for a fifteen million dollar two thousand and twenty-five. And yet the Mariners traded him, and basically traded him to the Diamondbacks for pocket lint and a stick of gum. I love this trade, not for the return but for what it says about the Mariners' approach, we will get into it. We will talk about who Sevi Zavala and Carlos Vargas are. We will talk about who A. Eugenio Suarez was for the Mariners last season. We'll talk about what this means to payroll. What does the reduction in payroll mean to the offseason uh, strategy for the Mariners? Who are some obvious replacements? Uh, we'll talk about obvious replacements at both second and third uh, Luis Urias, who was acquired in the Isaiah Campbell trade last week, and jo- Josh Rojas have significant experience playing at both second and third base. Mariners are freed up to look at second and third. Um, we'll talk about what this trade means uh, in isolation versus what this trade means in the big picture of the Mariners offseason. And does it change the Mariners' approach with any of the big free agents or a potential trade for uh, Juan Soto? So let's start with Suarez. What did he provide the Mariners? What are the Mariners losing in trading him? He is on the downside of his career. He's 32 years old. He played all 162 games last season, 694 plate appearances, 22 home runs. He ended with a 102 WRC+. Plus which was ranked 16th amongst qualified third baseman. He did have a 3.2 fan graphs war season, which was 10th amongst third basemen. but statistically hitting stat wise, he was an accumulator. He was a player that put up 22 home runs because he had almost 700 plate appearances, not because he was hitting for power. He did drive in 96. Much of it was because where he was positioned in the lineup offensively. A 102 WRC plus says he is 2% above league average. Um, He did not come across that way or translate that way to the casual observer. Uh, I think the biggest number and the biggest downfall for Eugenio Suarez last season was the 30.8% strikeout rate, which was 10th percentile in baseball. I think that is the, the major reason why the Mariners chose to deal him today or yesterday, technically speaking, um, I do believe he would have provided more of the same for the Mariners. Very good defense at their base, uh, 200 strikeouts, a bit of power somewhere between 20 and 30 home runs. Mariners knew what they had in him. They understood his uh, leadership in the clubhouse. They also understood that despite the fact that $11.3 million does not seem that much to a major league, a competing major league team, the Mariners in this trade, Because of the dealing of Suarez plus the acquisition of Zavala, which deems Tom Murphy a very unlikely free agent resigning. If you subtract Murphy and Suarez away and you add Zavala, who is in the last year of his pre-arbitration contract, you are looking at a savings of close to $10 million for the Mariners with one roster spot to fill what i'm assuming is urias and rojas play either second or third you will have to replace either a second or a third baseman and that zavala replaces murphy you're talking about again a savings of excuse me a savings of close to 13 million dollars because zavala rojas urias equal 9.97 million dollars next season and Murphy, Suarez, Urias, and Rojas, if you take Murphy's prospective Sport Track salary of 3.3 million, equal 22.8 million. So it's a savings of $12.83 million, almost $13 million. When you look at the players that are available in free agency based on market value, according to sport Track or Spot Track, Justin Turner is expected to get about $7 million. Matt Chapman's expected to get about $17 million per year. I don't like that option as much. Jammer Candelario is expected to get close to $12 million. I don't love Candelario either, but he would be a decent replacement, especially with the lower K rate. But the two that I think are more realistic, the more the two that I think the Mariners are looking at, I think the Mariners are looking very hard at Jorge Polanco, who was his team option was picked up by the twins at $10.5 million. I pounded the table front for him since the trade deadline. Um, I have in our second base pre or second base review $10.5 million for, for Jorge Polanco really changes the complexion of this team. Another player, Labor Torres, last year of his arbitration, $14.6 million estimate would be a big offensive addition to the Mariners coming over from the Yankees. So both of them would cost you uh, trade assets, but I think Polanco, Torres, and Candelario are three very realistic candidates to join the Mariners um, in part because of this move. Getting back to the trade, Sebi Zavala is, if you're trading out Tom Murphy in 23 for Sebi Zavala in 24, do not expect offense. Zavala's 30, he's 5'11, 205, arbitration eligible in 25, free agent in 28. He probably won't reach his free agency. Last year, he hit 171, 230, 314, which is a 544 OPS. Obviously, that's suboptimal, to say the least. A 45 WRC+. 36% K rate. Clearly, Jerry DePoto is trying to avoid high K rates. I don't think they care with Savala. Because, according to Savant, his fielding run value was in the 82nd percentile. His... Blocks or blocking blocks above average blocking pitches, 85th percentile. And his framing, pitch framing, was 77th percentile. You were talking about a top, probably at least top 10 defensive catcher in baseball, maybe even better. I think that the Mariners anticipate Cal Raleigh catching or in being in the lineup 130, 140 games next season. Zavala could certainly allow Cal Raleigh to DH a bit more because of his defense. Um historically, he hasn't hit either lefties or righties all that well. Um remember the Mariners also made the trade with uh with the Tampa Bay Rays to pick up a catcher as well. So I think he and Zavala will compete for that backup job. Um is it a downgrade from Murphy? Slightly, sure. I think Murphy was an offensive catcher. You're bringing in a defensive catcher. That was clearly what the Mariners set out to do. The catcher acquisition from the Rays, it was the same thing. It was defense over offense. Um, The other part was Zabala, as he makes $2.5 million less than Murphy. So Zabala was acquired. Um, I can't say I'm super comfortable with him as catcher two for the Mariners, but defensively, if he improves the Mariners, if he improves the pitching, he's adding – Value to the team in that way. Carlos Vargas, 6'3", 180, right-handed relief pitcher, 24 years old. The prototypical lottery ticket. Mariners are taking a chance on their ability to teach pitching. Carlos Vargas has an incredible arm. His fastball tops at 101. 97 to 101 with the fastball, 88, kind of high 80s slider, just knock out stuff, but his command is—he's lucky if he gets a 40 grade with his command. 42 and a third innings for AAA Reno last season for Arizona, which is very much a hitter's park. 42 and a third inning, or 42 and a third innings, 7.02 ERA, 2.10 WHIP. We don't need to go any further. He's not pitched and gotten great results yet. He was in the Cleveland organization in 2020. They thought enough of him to put him on the 40-man roster. He ends up blowing out his elbow, had Tommy John rehabbed in 21, traded to the Arizona in November of 22. But this is a very calculated, smart risk on the part of the Mariners. I think that, you know, chances are Vargas ends up nothing, but an arm like that, that throws 101 with an 88 mile an hour slider in the Mariners organization with their ability to teach pitching is a gamble I am glad they took. Now, even if he turns out to be a dynamite reliever, what is his true value to the team? Probably no more than one and a half Fangraphs wins. Fangraph wins, but we saw what Paul Sewald netted the Mariners in a trade. Other teams will value good relievers down the stretch, so we'll see what the Mariners have in Vargas. It was clear that you know Zavala is an offensive, complete offensive downgrade from Tom Murphy, who they expected to re-sign but a clear defensive upgrade. I think that's a shift in philosophy for the Mariners to go with a defensive catcher in that form. Um, If you look at this trade in isolation, which is very much what I've seen people do on Twitter uh, and elsewhere. I had tons of friends texting me the minute this trade went down. A couple of old school friends, Gary Manka in particular, uh, that we went to Garfield together. I rate. Because of this trade. They thought, you know, we didn't get anything in return. We gave up our starting third baseman, a leader in the clubhouse, a guy that hit in the middle of the order, um, a guy that had a 130 WRC plus in 22 for essentially nothing. Zavala is a backup catcher who was on the waiver wire last late last season. And Carlos Vargas, who can't find the strike zone. And my response was. Yes, very much this was a salary dump. As I said, when you take a new account, Tom Murphy as well, you're looking at a savings of close to $13 million, which match up, matches up completely with Candelario, Polanco, Torres, Justin Turner, those types of guys. Now, you can argue that the Mariners make enough money that they shouldn't have to dump salary in order to acquire salary. I've gone to over it time and again. That's not how they operate. Get the, that expectation or that desire out of your head because that's not who they are. That's not who they are. They're not doing it. So, yes, you look at this trade in isolation and you say it's a salary dump. What I say is it's an opportunity to acquire a regular like a Polanco, like a Torres, like a Candelario, who can be a difference maker in this lineup without acquiring a full-time DH. It's addition by subtraction. You're taking away a thir- almost a 31% strikeout rate for 700 plate appearances, and you're hopefully replacing him with a better hitter. It also begs the question, you know, Eugenio Suarez was a great defender, and you're probably going to replace him with someone who's less great. But how important is third base defense truly? It's not as important as shortstop. It's not as important as second base. It's not as important as center field. And with opening up third base, and because of the vers- defensive versatility of Joshua Haas and Luis Urias, the Mariners front office now has the mobility and the capability to find the best fit at either second or third base. I like that. I think it opens up your options. I think it allows you to pursue, like I said, a Polanco or a Torres or a Candelario or a Turner as opposed to one position or the other. So it's addition by subtraction. Now, after after trading Suarez away, the Mariners non-tendered Teoscar Hernandez and his 31.1% K rate. The Mariners traded away Eugenio Suarez and his 30.8% K rate. The Mariners are likely, very likely, not re-signing Tom Murphy and his 27.7% K rate and the Mariners did not offer, offer arbitration to Mike Ford and his 32.3% K rate. That leaves Dylan Moore at 33.9% last season, Jared Kelnick at 31.7 and Cal Raleigh at 27.8. Those are the top 3 strikeout rates remaining of Mariners regulars. They did what they set out to do. They decided they were that strikeouts were killing the offense and they said, no more strikeouts. We are going to do what we can to reduce that strikeout rate, and they did. tails has gone. Gino's gone. Tom Murphy's gone. Mike Ford is gone. Cal Raleigh is great. You're going to keep Cal Raleigh at catcher. You'll take that at catcher. Dylan Moore is not a, an everyday regular, and his strikeout rate was the highest of his career at 33.9%, and you would expect Jared Kelnick as he matures as a hitter, as he gets better, to get that K rate down. When the Mariners were great, in the early two thousands, the late the late nineties, early two thousands, specifically early two thousands, when Ichiro arrived with Mike Cameron, Mike Cameron's not a good example, but you know Mark McLemore, they had these players in the organization when they first moved into T Mobile, who hit the ball gap to gap, put the ball in play. You had this huge park. And the Mariners did not, John Olerwood's another one, did not seek out big thumper home run hitters. They seek out players who put the ball in play, and they tried to play more old school baseball. And I believe that that's what Jerry Depoto and the front office are trying trying to create. When you look at the Mariners' ballpark factors, according to Baseball Savant, three years rolling, The Mariners' overall hitting or the overall hitting at T-Mobile Park is a 92. What does that mean? It it means that it is 8% more difficult to hit overall at T-Mobile than it is any other park. Do you know where that ranks amongst the 32 Major League Baseball parks? 31st. Second most difficult park to hit in over three years. Home run rate, 98 2% more difficult to hit a home run in T-Mobile than the average Major League Park. 18th in baseball. Hits, just simple hits. 91, 9% more difficult to get a base hit at T-Mobile than your average Major League Park, three years rolling. Second hardest park in baseball. So you've got a park that suppresses hits that slightly suppresses home runs and is the second most difficult park to hit in offensively over the last three years. So when you strike out and you don't even give yourself a chance in this big park to get a base hit, base hits are valuable in this park. You gotta get players who can hit the ball in the gaps. You gotta put the ball in play and give yourself more opportunities for base hits. There was too much striking out in the clutch by the Mariners. There was too much right-handed hitters chasing sliders way out of the zone. Gino, I'm talking to you. Tom Murphy, I'm talking to you. Certainly, Tailscar, I'm talking to you. This gives the Mariners an opportunity to build an offense that puts the ball in play. This is what they did when they were successful. This is what they will do, again, I believe. Again, I love it. So in isolation, sure, it's a salary dump, but it opens up an opportunity for an offensive regular who's going to be a different type of player than Eugenio Suarez. Yes, in isolation, it hurts. But as I said to my friend Gary today, judge this offseason, this Mariners offseason, judge Jerry Depoto. judge this front office when spring training starts. No move is done in isolation. No move is done without anticipating what that next move might be, specifically when you create holes. When you look at something in isolation and you just talk about the return for that particular trade, you're not getting the big picture. You're not seeing the whole thing. You got to trust that there's a plan in place, right? You don't make a trade like this without a plan in place. You probably don't make this trade without having a specific player in mind, which brings us to the belief that the Mariners have significant interest in Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the right-handed superstar pitcher from Japan, who was posted on November 20th. The belief is that the interest in Yamamoto is real by the Mariners. Jason Churchill said so today. I've seen it other places. Yamamoto fits the the mold of the Mariners type of pitchers. Yamamoto would allow the Mariners to deal a young pitcher for a bat. They are bidding against big, big dollars from both New York teams, from everywhere, right? It It was said that more than half the teams in baseball made contact with Yamamoto once he was posted. But the rumor is also that he wants to stay on the West Coast. The Mariners have a long history with Japanese players, specifically Japanese pitchers. Iwakuma, Sasaki, of course, you have Ichiro, Kenji Jojima. If Yamamoto decides he wants to come to Seattle and Seattle's willing to pay him, that is a huge coup, right? The Mariners all of a sudden have undisputably the best pitching rotation in baseball. I believe they already do but you get Yamamoto, it looks different, right? The mayor's ownership may not allow the front office to formally submit a bid or an offer to any big free agent without freeing up some payroll first. They may not even allow it. And so the trade of Suarez and what I see as the freeing up of close to $13 million starts that ball rolling, Right. So Yamamoto is real. The interest in Yamamoto is real. Put that out there. We'll see what happens. That's one domino. Shohei Otani is still a wild card. Nobody has any idea where Otani is going. Yes, the Dodgers are rumored as the favorite. Yes, I've seen that familiarity is very important to Shohei Otani. Going back to the Angels is not out of the realm of possibilities. In fact, I think it is semi-realistic. But ownership May not have the green light to make a formal offer to Shohei Otani unless some money is freed up before making that offer. This would allow them to do that as well. As I said, the Polanco, Candelario, Torres type of salaries are all in range now. The $10 to $15 million players are in range now that you freed that money up. I also think that Juan Soto is a realistic trade candidate. I don't know if I love the idea of giving up big assets for Soto for one year, because I don't think he's resigning here. And I don't think the Mariners offer up that money. But if you're a basketball fan, you think about the impact that Kawhi Leonard had in Toronto the one year he was there, when he won them a championship. Soto could do that here. He has that type of bat, And I think the his salary and what it would cost to bring him here for a year is more realistic now with the trade of a Eugenio Suarez. I think strategically, what I expect the Mariners to do is to make offers on the players that I spoke of, specifically Yamamoto. But I think, I think you go in order, right? A preference. I think you shoot your shot with Otani. You shoot your shot with Yamamoto. Shota Imanaga, the left-handed pitcher, thirty-year-old left-handed pitcher from Japan who has pitched very well but is not quite on the Yamamoto level, also is going to be posted. I think he is a realistic possibility for the Mariners. I like him. So and you shoot your shot with those three, if you want to include Snell in there, you can. I don't think the Mariners are going after him. If you want to include Bellinger in that, you can. I don't think the Mariners are going after him. You want to include Matt Chapman in that because salary-wise, he's going to command a big salary. You can do that too. I don't like him. I don't think the Mariners are going after him either. Jorge Soler, that's another one. I don't think he's commanding big money, but I think they shoot their shot with him now. Jung-Hoo Lee, left-handed, back coming from Korea, fast, high average, not a ton of power, decent outfield defense, can play center field, probably better cast in, in a corner, but um, I don't know if he's a great fit for the Mariners given you have already have Kelnick but I do think that there's a chance they go after him. Candelario's another one who's going to command a number of years and some money. But I think they shoot their shot with those guys now that they've freed up some money and freed up some space. And then if you strike out with the majority of those guys then you move on to trade candidates like Polanco, like Torres, like we talked about previously. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. I do think the Mariners have a big move up their sleeve. I don't think they're going to reduce payroll in the way that they did and stay there. They're too, although I believe that the front office, for the most part, tunes out Twitter and tunes out the loud Mariners fans who are upset with the team, I don't think they're stupid enough after this the, the start of this offseason to deal away that kind of salary and not bring salary back. So again, this is is a salary dump. In isolation, this is a bad trade. I love the move if and when it means that the Mariners shoot their shot with these bigger free agents, and if they don't get one of those guys, they move on to a trade for someone like a Polanco or a Torres. Now, I want to ask one more question of the listeners and of myself for that matter. If Eugenio Suarez wasn't a fan favorite, right? If he didn't have a great smile, if he wasn't, you know, good vibes only from day one, if he didn't have some of the clutch hits that he did, would you be upset about this trade? Would you still be as upset about this trade as you are now? The quick answer is no, I don't believe so. You're getting mad or pissed off about trading away, even no matter what you get back in return. You're getting mad about trading away a 102 WRC plus 32-year-old third baseman who's getting paid $11.3 million in 24 and $15 million as a club option in 25. He is a declining asset. His value is in decline. He had his best year as a Mariner in 22. He didn't come close to it in 23. His value is going down, and he's not going to get better. He is 32 years old, and he strikes out more than 90% of the batters in baseball, rate-wise. The fact that you got something back for him says a lot. My buddy Gary asked me, do you think the Mariners could have gotten more for him? I said, absolutely not, because I think Jerry DePoto would have waited. I don't think DePoto is stupid enough to take the first offer. So clearly the way that Suarez is seen or valued in amongst major league GMs is that he's not of great value, right? It makes me crazy when specifically Mariners fans, but some other Seattle fans, but mostly it's Mariners fans who get so upset when there's a player that they like, right? A player that they connect with who gets traded to me. You know, do I have favorite players? I absolutely have favorite players. I was gutted when Gary Payton was traded by the Sonics for Ray Allen. Gutted. Was Ray Allen a better player at the time? He wasn't. I try not to get sentimental about players, even when I like them. I like Suarez. I thought the Mariners would keep him. I'm glad they didn't. Because I think they would have been keeping him for the wrong reasons. And the fans that are upset because he got traded are not looking at the big picture. You're just not. And you can say you don't trust Jerry Depoto and this front office. But as I said on the last Mariners cast, this is the same front office that signed Julio Rodriguez to a minimum $210 million deal and potentially $400 plus million. Who signed Robbie Ray off of a Cy Young year when he had a... uh, left on base percentage of over 90%. It was clear that's not the true pitcher that he was. They still signed him to a five-year deal worth over $100 million. They traded the assets in Noelvi Marte and Edwin Arroyo, amongst others, to the Reds to acquire Luis Castillo at the deadline. And then they re-signed him to a five-year deal worth over $100 million. So to say that this team doesn't spend To say that this team is unwilling to go after big free agents is erroneous. It's wrong. They might be a little bit cutthroat. They might not care as much of what the team thinks. And that might be a mistake at times. Trading Suarez might be a mistake from a clubhouse standpoint. I don't know. I don't believe in that stuff as much as most people do. But he clearly had an impact in the clubhouse. But I like the trade you got to think about it in, in the big picture versus in isolation. Freeing up salary allows the Mariners to go after these guys in a much stronger manner than they would otherwise. Again, you may think that this team should just spend because they make money. But that might not be how they want to operate. And if they don't, that's their prerogative. That's their prerogative. They own the team. If they told the front office... You must free up salary to be able to offer salary to these other guys. Then that's what you have to do. You can't go against what your employer tells you just because you feel like it. And the reality is it's not our money. It's theirs. And this is not the New York Mets. This is not Steve Cohen. This is not the New York Yankees. This is not the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is the Seattle Mariners. And DePoto is doing the best that he can, in my opinion. I'm not looking for instant gratification in this offseason. I'm not looking for the Mariners to blow me away. I do want to see them in contention for a lot of these top names. I think it's malpractice if you don't make an offer to Otani. I think it's malpractice if you don't make an offer to Yamamoto, Imanaga, Soler. But I don't think it's their fault necessarily if these players don't sign here they also have agency to sign wherever they want to. What you can do is acquire players with team control, right, and have them be here and see how special of an environment and as special of a team and a town and a ballpark and a clubhouse as this is. It's kind of what happened with Julio. It's kind of what you would be gambling with with Soto, although I think that's a gamble that's not necessarily worth taking. But I like the trade. I like the trade. I love the impact it has on the Mariners in terms of freeing up money. I think it's smart. I think you're seeing them go in a direction of prioritizing some other stuff in terms of contact rate, right? I like the gamble with Carlos Vargas because the Mariners are so great at teaching pitching. I like the acknowledgement of Cal Raleigh as a 130, 140-game player, getting a defensive catcher to sit in for him so he can DH a little bit. I think that's smart. I think that's super smart. I'm excited. I saw this trade. I was shocked that they dealt Suarez. I did not expect it. I know it was in the rumor mill. I didn't expect it. When I saw the return, I understood the return wasn't great. I also understood what the reaction was going to be. From Gary, from my buddy Gary, and from Twitter, and from everywhere. Check with me when spring training starts. If the Mariners are starting Ryan Bliss at second, and they're starting, you know, Josh Rojas at third, and Luis Urias is playing both places, and Dylan Moore is the other backup, or Jose Caballero is the other backup, or Sam Haggerty's the other backup, then yes. We have the right to be frustrated. We have the right to be angry. That's not what's going to happen. I will eat my words if that's what happens. I'm excited. I can't wait for the next domino to drop. I do expect the Mariners to make a big signing. I don't think Jorge Soler is a big signing. I think it's a big deal, but I don't think it's a big signing. I expect the Mariners to be in on Imanaga, on Yamamoto. And it wouldn't completely shock me if the Mariners signed Shohei Otani. But I like the direction this team is going. I like the idea of high contact or higher contact, not Cleveland Guardian style, no base hits, but putting the ball in play all the time. More impact the ball, but don't strike out, right? And they're doing what they said they were going to do. I appreciate that too. That's it. That's my rant. That's my A. Eugenio Suarez. Goodbye, A. Eugenio Suarez. Hello, Sebby Zavala and Carlos Vargas podcast. Um, I will do these on occasion, specifically when the Mariners make bigger moves. Um, again, super excited to see what's next. You got to love the off season. You got to love the hot stove. I expect it to heat up quite a bit more. Uh, this was Mariners Cast number one oh seven or one oh eight. I believe it is now one o'clock. In the morning before Thanksgiving. Uh enjoy your turkey. Enjoy your wine. Enjoy the Seahawks. If you didn't check it out already, uh Candace will post the latest Seahawks 360 from Ethos Seahawks. Um, we talked about previewed the 49ers game coming up tomorrow or tonight. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Seattle sports are a lot of fun. I know we can be uh A little bit negative at times, a little bit scared at times, but Mariners are going to eventually get a World Series. They have to. And again, I love the move tonight. I think it's smart or today. I think it's smart. I think it's calculated. I think it takes guts to make a move like this. You can't look at it in isolation. You got to look at it in the big picture and we'll see what happens next. Thank you for listening. Uh, this Mariners cast was presented to you by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Junior 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Give me some feedback on this pod. Let me know what you think about the trade. You can post that either at Junior 20 or the Ethos Mariners account. Take care y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy that turkey, that ham, whatever it is you have. Appreciate the listening we